Well, welcome to Hot Topic. Uh, I'm Pete G, and tonight um, we're going to have a look at a car that's been very kindly supplied by the um, Armstrong Motor Group here in Wellington. Um, as you will have heard from last week's program, um, we had a really very interesting run with um, cars from Gaisley's, and now we've um, started to have a look at the range from Armstrong's, and it's going to be quite interesting to see how some of their cars, which are pretty much in the same ballpark area as uh, some of Gaisley's cars and it'll be interesting to do a, a, um, a match up between the two and just see uh, how they score and so tonight um, to start the ball rolling we're having a look at the e-tron 55 advanced version um, this car, this particular car, was actually rather striking uh, looking vehicle, very much in the normal SUV uh, size mode, as opposed to the Mercedes last week, which I thought um, was a little bit unusual. It seemed just a little bit chopped off at the rear, whereas this car is, um, in fact, quite the opposite. And one of the first things that we noticed when we opened the boot was the incredible... I've only got a... Um, find a word carnivorous area um that the uh, storage um area in the back is just absolutely enormous it's probably the biggest that we've seen in any of the cars that we've done by a huge amount and um when you opened uh the the boot up one of the first things you noticed was a very very nice um uh, rubberized um, area for putting stuff that parcels and all sorts of things that you didn't want to move across a carpeted floor um, very very handy for putting stuff as I say that you didn't want to mark any of the upholstery so we thought that was really a very good plus and in fact it's the only car we've seen so far that has that facility when you actually open the flat to have a look underneath, um, there's a very, very interesting looking spare wheel sitting there. And, and I must admit, I've never actually seen a tyre that seemed to fold in the middle. Um, I can only imagine that that's due to um, space-saving um, requirements. And they they give you a little compressor with it, which means that the fact that it's folded up doesn't mean that you have to run around on a flat tyre. You can sit on the side of the road, pump it up first, and then off you go. So a, a very interesting thing, which we I must admit we haven't seen before. Inside the car, because of that enormous boot area, the backs, the dip, um, gap between the front and rear seats is substantially less uh, than the Mercedes. Still adequate, but certainly noticeable that you don't have as much um, as much leg room. Um, however, that wasn't really um, anything to be too worried about. The trim, interior-wise. Um, it's very tidy and it's very nicely set off. It looks class and um, I think that no one would have any um, issues with it. Uh, not quite, I would say, up to the Mercedes standard. There's no sort of like um, stitching along edges and that sort of thing, which we did find in the other car. Um, although I must admit on the seats it was certainly um, quite adequate. As far as that was concerned, as far as the controls um, are concerned, one of the things that I found a little bit 
um, different with this car and in fact for someone who's an old purist I quite enjoyed the fact that you weren't ab absolutely dazzled by screens and flashing lights which seems to be the mode of a lot of um, the cars that we've looked at recently it's there but it's not quite in, in evidence as, um, as other ones and the mention I made last week about sitting in a garage with the car for half a day before you went anywhere just learning all the electronics isn't a comment that I would make about this particular car um, I, I found that everything was in its place and it seemed to be pretty well um, set up in, in all regards as regards to driving one of the first things I noticed was that the car was incredibly quiet and we found out later that that was actually the suspension mode that we'd had it set in later on when we when Digby decided to get a little bit more adventurous in his driving we um, hardened up this the suspension to a slightly firmer mode and um, noise which I hadn't heard at all from the road um, imperfections were um, starting to become in evidence but however because the, the ride was actually um, compensated then you didn't really, that wasn't um, a detrimental point uh, against the car as I say my part of the driving is normally uh, quite um, uh, quite unadventurous I drive it as I would any car and in a, a normal urban situation um, it seemed to do everything I wanted um, and do it incredibly well um, this car is actually the most expensive car that we've actually tested and comes in at $150,000 um, on the road uh, which does make it um, not in everyone's price bracket uh, but for everything that you'd expect in a luxury car I didn't find this one lacking in any department at all so yes I actually enjoyed the car and to get some specifics on a few more of the bits and pieces um, we'll now hand you over to Henry thank you Peter um, sorry I uh, thought this was going to dig me but no I will happily talk it's one of my favourite things to do so, the Audi e-tron. Now, I've been following these cars for a long while, and finally we've had an opportunity to go drive one, and I must say, I'm impressed. This sort of just, like the Mercedes, takes one look at Tesla and goes, nope, I'm better than you. What we sit in here is a very well-refined machine that oozes sophistication, comfort, and luxury. Now, the electronic goodies, my favourite part, aside from the speed of course. We have three screens. The first two on the left hand side in the centre of the car and they control our climate and our, our media functions like most cars do. Now they're sort of spread apart um, and I quite like that. I think it makes them quite easy to use and as someone who's got three screens at home um, on his office desk I quite like being able to look between them. Um, it, it's quite a comfortable thing for me and chances are someone in IT could possibly end up buying this so it'll make them feel comfortable as well. We have um, 
on the the entertainment screen, you've got all the normal stuff: Apple CarPlay, Google, um, a- a Android Auto. But we've also got stuff like parking aids, um, and more specifically, the cameras, parking cameras. Now we've talked about these on the show before. I just want to mention these parking cameras because it is the most gimmicky one I've tried um, I don't know how helpful it would be Digby tried to reverse with it and he couldn't um, he couldn't really get it I don't think he found it too helpful I think you sort of maybe just bothered him a bit Digby Did it? no I don't, don't agree but carry on oh, okay well what it is is it shows you a 3d image of your car on the road now I really like that I had a quick um, little ticky you know move around with it and I found it I, I just like to use my mirrors anyway I'm not really a big camera person but um I thought it was just cool and I thought it was cool to see your car um a 3d version of your car moving along the road um and the other things you can do is change the suspension mode which is what Peter said we did for Digby and it dramatically change things you can raise and lower the suspension height depending on what mode you put it in and you've got modes for being off-road all-road efficiency comfort auto dynamic and individual basically you can mess around with it until you find something that suits your needs for that time and place um other things that the car comes with are the ability to change the lighting inside the car. So your ambient lights inside the cabin, which appear on your around your seat and on the centre console, you can change them to be amber or blue, yellow, just all that regular stuff. Um, and it's also got all of the good auto things uh, you'd in, in expect sorry in your Audi like the rain sensors the automatically dipping headlights just all the general really great technology you want in these cars as well as all the stats you'd get on uh, the charging and efficiencies um, and yeah now let me talk to you so that, that was the left um, the left screens so let me talk to you about the main uh, driver's dash we've got our steering wheel on which we can do the cruise control voice commands um, and changing different screens you know all, all the normal stuff but on this screen um, it reminds me quite of um, the Lamborghini Urus because it's all sort of a very similar version of it um, the Lamborghini Huracan as well has a very similar dash and to me as a driver um, I quite find that quite exciting you know part of me thinks oh I'm in an electric Lamborghini because that, that's what it feels like a bit to me um, and we can change the screens so we've got different options we can see the range we can see two big dials or with a button I can make the dials too small and I can make the middle thing big whether that's the range information the, a map of where we are um, telephone stuff Bluetooth stuff um, or similar things to that and I really like that I think it'd be great you know if you're exploring a new city you can just have the map open right in front of you um, or if you just want to on a long road trip and you just want to scroll through music you know it's a safer way of doing it rather than looking at your phone um, as well as we've got a heads-up display which is excellent and um, we've got the cruise control which does the distance monitoring and as we discovered will genuine, genuinely keep you in your lane if you take your hands off the steering wheel um, but yeah overall it is a very intelligent car it reminds me of a Lamborghini it's comfortable and I could actually see myself driving it I am very well impressed but for 159 grand I probably should be 
Um, but yes, this, this is honestly a terrific car, and if this is the future of electric cars or electric SUVs, then I think I'm on board because it is it is fabulous. It really is. And I think that's my piece for the day. Digby! Thank you, Henry. Um, now, speaking of Henry, he, um, he thought he could... Um demonstrate how good the brakes were <laughs> and uh, without much warning he yelled out brake test and uh, I've got three broken ribs and Peter's got whiplash um, <laughs> which demonstrates that the braking was absolutely phenomenal it it just felt like the car was going and then it stopped it didn't seem to slow down it just just went bang stop so particularly safe um now this car the, the boys have been talking a lot about comparing it with the mercedes but probably not, um, i can understand why they do it because that was last week it was an electric car it was a big four-door car but the, it was a crossover and a budget one you know about 80 grand this is about double that price and this is an suv it's also four-wheel drive it's got a whopping big motor in the back and a smaller one in the front um so in the in the um at the back it's got a 167 kilowatt motor and in the front 135 kilowatts and um i presume that's to um give it a, a dominant rear wheel drive feel um the interesting thing is that if you look inside a Tesla, you know, you don't see any electronics, you don't see any motors, you don't see any transmission really. Um, but this, like other cars, um, the front under the bonnet is just stuffed full of um, electronics and so on. So there's certainly a different philosophy going on here. Um, now this Audi, um, Audi are known for their terrific interiors. They seem to be, they've been saying in the motor magazines for about five years, maybe ten years, that they are the class leaders. And although the interior of this car is very nice, it does appear to be um, more plasticky, not so tactile, harder surfaces, more angular and so on. But the layout, it really works. The three screens are marvellous. You've got one screen for the um, the kind of thing that older cars had buttons and sliders and knobs for, you know, adjusting things like the climate and te temperature and um, seats and all that sort of thing. And then you've got an entertainment um, screen in the middle above that, quite separate. And then in front of the driver, you've got... Um, the conventional, if you want it to be, there's so many configurations available. You've got the normal, the speedo, and the well, the charge, not rev counter, and um, and in front of that, you've got a heads-up display, which very, very clearly shows the speed you're going. And it seemed to indicate when Henry was driving that it goes about 10 or 20 k more than the speed limit at all times. Don't know how that happened. <laughs> but fortunately, a cop car pulled them behind him, so uh, they made him behave for a while. Now moving on to the car, um, four-wheel drive, silent car, What you know, that used to be impossible to do, you know, all those SUVs and trucks that these people drive around, they're noisy as hell, and whereas this is very, very quiet. We've just got somebody wants to move a car here, do you want to move, Henry? Do you want us to move back a bit? Okay, yeah, he's not going to stop until we go... Now, charging times. It takes an hour on a normal charge to give you another 17k range. So that's sort of a bit useless, really. So you've got to find one of those high-powered 
once. And then, in, in, in an hour or so, you can get a full 50% charge. So it's really quick if you find those high-powered chargers. Now, the range is said to be 450 kilometres, um, which is enough to get from Wellington to Taupo. Um, it's also got very good regenerative braking but it works in a way that I, I I can't comprehend why it does that so it works this way if you're coming up and you know you're going to back off for a corner you hit the left hand pedal control and you can change the regenerative from mild to medium to powerful so when you're on the powerful mode of course it's going to slow you down a lot because it's putting all that energy back into recharging the battery and on the right hand one you can gradually cancel that now most other cars you set the regeneration to whatever you want and you leave it from my point of view being from the deep south with a scottish ancestry i'd have it on you know the maximum economy which is maximum recovery so every time you break um, it's going to break fairly severely to put as much charge as possible back into the motor. Now, the interesting thing about charging is batteries like to be kept cool. That's why there's a lot of cooling on electric cars. But when you're charging them, some cars... Um, Say, for example, you're in this car and you have programmed it to go to a charging point. So it knows it's going to be charging in 10 kilometres or 20 kilometres, whatever it wants. It heats the battery up because the optimum temperature for a battery is 21 degrees. If you're in a, a freezing area below, the battery charging efficiency goes down 50%. So, for example, if you lived in central Otago and you were charging it up every night, it's not going to charge very fast, and it probably won't get a full charge when it's freezing. Now, moving right along here. Now, this car is not light. It's 2,500 kilograms. Now, that's a big, heavy car, and... One of the benefits of a big heavy car, they tend to ride better. That's why, you know, American cars of old always rode better than the lightweight British cars because they, they were heavier. But the heaviness on this car is all down below your seat, so the centre of gravity is nice and low. Um, but we did our usual hairpin test at, at high speed today, and shifting, say, two tonnes of weight from one direction to another in a matter of seconds or less um, that's a big ask you know it certainly puts a huge strain on the tyres um, and you know probably scrubbed a thousand k off them in that manoeuvre but as we were going round it was Three. correcting or putting the ESP into action and it was squealing the tyres as each wheel was braking to assist me getting round the corner but the interesting thing despite the strain we're putting on it, it didn't veer off the line that I'd set for it. It hugged the road almost like a uh, sports car. It was quite impressive. Two minutes. Okay. So 
there's one option you can get for this, which we didn't get on that, and it's interior mirrors. So they replace the, the exterior mirrors with cameras, and they have a little um, mirror inside the door, um, and which apparently somebody up in Taupo found it marvellous. The car was frosted, couldn't see a thing, turned on those, they could see exactly where they were reversing to. A marvellous feature. Okay, well, thank you for your time. Right, well, um, there you have it. Once again, a very, very um, interesting car, which I think all three of us um, would be in unison when we say we thoroughly enjoyed testing this vehicle. Um, it certainly shows you how far all these um, marks have come in recent years because um, it's a pretty competitive market out there and they are all trying to outdo one another uh, for sales and they seem to just come up with these extremely ever-increasing gadgets um, which I would call a lot of the stuff um, that make them even more interesting um, and for someone like Henry I could have mentioned um, great toys um, for the rest of us that uh, see a vehicle as somewhere to get from A to B there's probably quite a bit of stuff in there that you don't really need um, but it's interesting to be able to play when you feel that way inclined so that's our show for this week uh, thanks for listening and and um, in a couple of weeks, we'll be back with another car, courtesy of um, Armstrong's in Wellington here. And once again, we're very, very pleased to be um, hooked up with Armstrong's for the next uh, few cars along the way. And we'll look forward to what they can come up with for us.
This program is made with assistance from New Zealand on air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand on air.